0: Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone this beautiful Friday? We're going to get started, guys. Hope everyone had an awesome week. Really looking forward to today. Jesse, why don't you come on up? Jesse's going to be introducing us to this morning's teaching fellow. We're going to dive right in today. Good morning, men. Our speaker today, Jim. Hey, by the way, who woke up today and thought, man, I got one more day? Yes, some of us did. If you're younger than us, then maybe you're not, you're taking it for granted. Woke up this morning and thought, Okay, I got another one. Let's see how this one goes. All right, guys. So we've talked about this before, but the way that Ironman works, Ironman Connect here, is that we've got men from tables. So amongst us, that come up and we're we're teaching fellows, right? And uh, we say this a lot, but this is actually more difficult than talking to several hundred people, right? We're talking to our peers and we're talking about things of God. Trying to get men to come up here can sometimes be very, very difficult, right, table captains? Yes. So I started working on Bill a long time ago. And the reason why I started working on Bill was that Bill has a great story and he's a great man those are two good parts of the recipe for coming up here and actually sharing. Last year, Bill really didn't wanna do this and, and resisted and I think I manipulated you a little bit. I, I used the whole, listen man, you can, you can just, just lean into God and if, if you disobey, there is repentance and he will, <laughs> listen, shame is a tactic. So at, this year when we talked, it was easy. It's not that you necessarily wanna be up here, Bill, but you knew that God wanted you up here, which is pretty awesome. And uh, so there was much less shame and manipulation, which was good for my soul. Bill Wagner is, like I said, he's a great man. He has a husband. He's a dad. He's been in his profession for 30 years. And law enforcement, he's a man of quiet wisdom. Would you guys agree with that? He's not out there always just throwing things out. He's just kind of looking for his opportunity. And then I don't even know if you're looking for it. It just comes up. And then he just drops these dimes that that just resonate. Those are a lot of things about Bill. I will say that the two most important things for me about Bill, number one, he's a friend. He's a very good friend. And number two, he loves Jesus with all his heart. So
1: gentlemen, will you help me give an Ironman welcome to Bill Wagner? So we were talking the other day, uh, Troy, Dax, and I about how we get up here and we get kind of locked in on the side of the room. So I told Dax just to lock eyes with me and walk around the room so that I move around. So Dax, I'll go ahead and start moving. Gentlemen, will you stand with me? I'm going to read from uh, Psalms 1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like the tree planted by the stream of water that yields its fruit in the season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we, we, we thank you for this gathering. We thank you for the fellowship of men gathered in your name. We know where two or more are gathered you're in your name, you're amongst us. Jesus, we ask that you you pour out your blessing on and your support to anyone in this room that is hurting physically, struggling with a decision or just needing your guidance at this moment. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. I know we don't deserve it, yet you give it to us. So Lord, I ask that your words be spoken today and there'd be far less of me and more of you in my message. In Jesus' name we pray. All right. Good morning. Good to see everybody. I get the uh, pleasure of following up after Doug, who started us off uh, with a great, great speech at Ironman Coffee. And then, of course, they put the guy with no speaking experience behind Jesse, a professional speaker, and Michael, an uh, actor who, who performs in front of thousands every day. So you're stuck with me to, to close up the, um, the topic on Solomon and... Uh, and how we can't have happiness without God. Jesse said I, I willingly came into this topic, which isn't really the case, but I uh, I was trying to be obedient, like he said, and um, I found myself really stuck. I couldn't get moving on the topic, and when that happens, what do we do? We go down rabbit holes, and I started getting hooked on this uh, thought of the Powerball at a billion dollars and, and the Mega Millions at 1.5 billion and what I would do with all that money, right? So Sherry and I sit around and we daydream. Does anyone else do that? Talk with your spouse about how you're gonna spend that money, right? Yeah, you know, we're gonna give to the chair we're going to give it to the church. Iron Man's going to be taken care of forever. You know, We're going to set up generational wealth for our children and their children. The thought kind of hit me. If you're not willing to give it all away for God, what have you gained? Anyone here willing to give $1.5 billion away to God? If you got it, we're going to test you. And as we were thinking about generational stuff, I was thinking, what's really important? I think generational wealth in the kingdom is what's important. We should be teaching our children and our families about generational wealth in the kingdom. Like Jesus said in Matthew 19:21, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. I think that's pretty awesome. So back to the topic at hand, uh, we're working out of Pat Morley's book, How God Makes Men, and the chapter on Solomon regarding how, how God shows men the true path to happiness. Well, what is happiness? Is it having that $1.5 billion? Joe would agree. I don't know. Is it having a smile, walking around with a smile on your face? I don't think so, because I've seen guys do that that are completely dead inside. I think happiness is best defined as contentment, satisfaction, that complete feeling of joy and fulfillment in your life. And Doug started us off this month. He told a story about how he was always pushing to achieve more. Everyone made it to Doug's on coffee this month, right? And he told us that he was always trying to outdo others and achieve more. And when he did it, the feeling of joy lasted how long? Everyone remember? One day. About a day. Uh, You're right. It wasn't exactly a day. It was roughly 23.75 hours. And when he finished his talk, I was sitting at a table with uh, Glenn Edwards. Glenn's not here today. Glenn and I have worked together and been friends for 25 years. And he leaned over and he said to me, I was thinking of you that entire time. That's your story. And that really hit me because I was thinking the same darn thing. That for years, all I cared about was climbing and growing and seeking wealth and position. When I started in police work, I didn't have any aspirations of being wealthy or anything of that sort. In fact, I never wanted to be a cop. Got married and I needed to have an income, my wife said. Uh, So (laughs) it was nice of her to point that out for me. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to be in the restaurant business, but uh, my mom was a cop and she had raised a family of four on a single income as a police officer. And I knew we weren't gonna be wealthy because I knew how we grew up, but we grew up happy without anything. So she encouraged me to go to the police academy and that's, that's what I did got hired by a few different agencies, moved around a little bit as I was figuring out my way. And and eventually I landed here in Ocoee, got on patrol. And again, I was just kind of happy being a patrol officer. The fact that I got a paycheck every two weeks was was really nice. But then I started to look around and I could see that the guys wearing the gold badges, they owned houses, right? They had, they had nice cars. I want to live in a house. I'm tired of living in an apartment. So I saw that path and I started to see that If I promote it up, I might be able to have some of these nice things that everyone else has. So i made detective in a year and a half, being on the agency. And that was pretty cool. We had our first daughter. We bought our first house. We had two cars with air conditioning, I think. Um, I came from Colorado. I didn't know you needed air conditioning. And things were pretty good. But then I started to notice that the guys that had the stripes on their shoulders and the gold badge, they had, like, boats and travel trailers and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. And I wanted to be like that. And I wanted to give my family those things. And I started to worship those things. We things And more importantly, I started to worship power and position. And I liked being in charge and I liked being the guy people look to. And I I started to desire that. And so I kept looking further ahead and I said, oh, uh, Lieutenant, I got to make Lieutenant. Those guys have connection, right? They're salaried employees. They can work half a day and go home and and still get paid for a full day. But they also play golf with the commissioners and the mayor and they go to all the meetings. So, so of course, I made Lieutenant. And uh, it was pretty clear at that point that my path to the corner office was set. I was going to be chief one day. I was on the right, Path. I was doing all the right things. The question I, I hope you're asking yourselves right now is where was God in all this? And I actually kind of hope you're not asking that question because the answer is was I thanking Him for my blessings? No, absolutely not. Was I asking for His guidance? Never. Was I praying about decisions that affected people's lives? No, I wasn't. I spoke to God on the occasional Sunday that we went to church and then otherwise I was pretty much living my life absent Him. It was sad. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. That's, that's a terrible feeling. King Solomon wanted to rule his father's kingdom. In fact, he knew he could not rule the kingdom without knowledge and wisdom only God can provide. So he humbled himself as we read in 1 Kings 3, 5. At Gideon, the Lord appeared before Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon responded in verse nine, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern your people, this your great people. And because he did not ask for worldly things or a long life, God gave him wisdom and a long life. And he became the richest man known. And despite all God had given Solomon, he kept reaching for more. He was the original Renaissance man. He knew of nature and science and buildings and architecture, literature. He made peace. He knew about women. He had hundreds of wives and concubines, but he also wasn't honoring God. He had made idols, followed idols, followed the women to their gods. He was living outside God. He kept searching for happiness and contentment and what he found was it was impossible without God. I wonder if Solomon's words in Proverbs 4.23 haunted him as he wrote, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Pat Morley tells us in his chapter about Solomon that when we're working outside God's will and not living in his covenant and make anything other than him an idol, he'll do one of three things. He'll hold back the thing that we can't live without. He'll take away the thing we can't live without, or he'll give you so much of it that you choke on it. It gave Solomon so much of it, he choked on it. He took away what I was holding closest to my heart as an idol. He removed that power, prestige, and comfortable living in a manner I spoke of about last year, where I was knocked down several rungs And my path to that corner office was ended. It happened in an instant. God steps in like that. And I was humbled before everybody I know. And most importantly, in front of the God that I wasn't honoring. But by removing the ability for me to worship promotion and money, God showed me the opportunity to worship him. And it was on bent knees that I begged him. Amen. Thank you. It was on bent knees that I begged him to be in my life. And through the process of that, real happiness set upon me. a uh, Happiness I hadn't known since I kind of became an adult and started wanting things that were outside of him. And in a surprise, he just continued to provide for my family's well-being, which I didn't expect since I left him out of so much of my life. I'm a work in progress, man, but I have more happiness today than I had before. I don't worship the unimportant things I once did. I don't worship money and God provides it. I don't worship power as I once did. And God brought me a peace and he provided me time time with my family that I didn't have before. He provided me friends that are God followers that I didn't have before to be in fellowship with. It's amazing. I'll take what I have right now over all that I once desired because God, with God, I can have completeness and I can have joy and I can have fulfillment and happiness. Pat Morley ends it. Thank you. Pat ended his uh, chapter in this text with this. It's impossible for you and me to find real happiness, lasting happiness in any pursuit apart from God. That's what Solomon figured out and what I figured out the hard way. I'll end with this passage from Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 from King Solomon himself. The end of the matter, all has been heard, gentlemen. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Thank you
0: appreciate you man that was that was powerful men we're going to spend the rest of the time at our tables i sent out the questions last night that bill provided me so uh table captains i'm going to hand the floor over to you guys